So we're in 1 Timothy 3, and where we are heading is, likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith of the pure conscience, etc., uh, until the, uh, uh, the end of verse 13. Uh, but one of the things that we noted last week is that the qualifications for the deacon have overlap with the qualifications of the elder, uh, the qualifications of the overseer, uh, and that's one of the things that, uh, that helps us see uh, not only that uh, it is uh, an office of authority, uh, like the elder's uh, office was, like the overseer's uh, office was, which of course we saw in Acts 6 and, uh, and other places, uh, but that it is the Lord in uh, whom we are trusting to do this work in each of us, uh, who has decided to do that work by, uh, by this method, uh, by the use of elders, by the use of deacons, uh, particularly uh, by the use of his, uh, of his word uh, ministered uh, by, the, uh, uh, by the eldership in particular, and held to uh, and applied in the deacon's own life, and then uh, the deacon helping us uh, make application of it in what we do in earthly things as well. Uh, so we began last week hearing uh, about the, uh, the good work, the beneficial labor uh, that an overseer is to do, and therefore the good man that an overseer is to be. And we saw that especially in verse 2. Uh, well, in Scripture, as uh, as most of you know, and as the children, I hope, uh, are learning, uh, growing in the Lord Jesus Christ always has putting off and putting on uh, bound together. If you try to put off sin without uh, putting on godliness, then your flesh will automatically fill in um, what, uh, what, whatever is... Uh, whatever room of thought and desire and heart. Uh, so, uh, and if you try to uh, put on godliness, put on love for the Lord, uh, obeying him and serving him without putting off sin, uh, then you're acting uh, quite foolishly and uh, not remembering what we've been learning in the midweek sermons, that the flesh lusts against the spirit. The flesh strives and desires and labors and fights uh, wars against uh, the Spirit. Uh, and so, uh, if you want to grow in grace, it is necessary uh, that you put off uh, the works of the flesh uh, and uh, as you depend upon, well, you depend upon the Lord for that as well, uh, but as you depend upon the Spirit to produce, to cultivate His fruit uh, in you. Those two go together. Uh, we saw it uh, uh, theologically, spiritually, uh, a few times recently in the Romans preaching, uh, but you can see it in like specific details, uh, especially in Galatians chapter 5. Well, then it's not surprising that the Lord who we want to do that work in us, help us with the putting off and help us with the putting on uh, and has done that work in others whom he is going to use to lead us, uh, that he should also describe their character uh, in terms of what he has 
sustained them in, in putting on, uh, and that's the stuff last week uh, in verse 2, uh, and then uh, in putting off uh, in verse 3. Uh, and Lord willing, we'll, uh, we'll also come to verses 4 to 7 uh, and talk about the, uh, the spheres, the arenas, uh, the ways in which the Lord has um, uh, proven or shown uh, the genuineness and, uh, and the quality uh, of his work in these men. So what mustn't the overseer, the, uh, the elder, the pastor, uh, what mustn't he be? And the first thing that we see in verse 3 is he's not given to wine. It actually takes, uh, the word actually takes a preposition uh, that we have. Uh, perhaps you remember we refer to the, uh, the Holy Spirit as a paraclete or the one who is alongside paraclete called, uh, called alongside us for everything that we need him to be. Uh, and it's a good reminder because often uh, some form of that word will be used of the Christians to each other, uh, and a verb form of that word will be used uh, of, uh, of how we relate to each other. And depending on context, you might see encourage or help or rebuke or comfort, and it's all, it's all, uh, it's all that same word. Well, we're grateful that the Holy Spirit is all, always alongside us, but the overseer must not be someone who has wine always alongside him. Uh, so, uh, so he's not someone who I think our translation is given to wine. Uh, he is, uh, he's not someone who is always uh, attended uh, by wine, needs wine uh, to operate, is always indulging himself uh, in it, and is, always con- uh, is therefore controlled by it to some extent. Now this doesn't just ap- apply to wine any sort of self-indulgence, and especially those self-indulgences that tend to take control of a man. Uh, for, for instance, you know, I don't have to do more than this for you guys to, uh, to understand that there are, uh, there are things in people's lives uh, that tend to take over uh, and uh, that is always alongside them and that uh, begins to control how they think, and uh, no, we just heard last time that we are to be uh, self-controlled people, uh, sober-minded, uh, sober-minded people, uh, people who uh, who are controlled uh, through the mind and the heart uh, by the Lord. And so, this not given to wine uh, does have more application than just the wine, but certainly. Uh, someone who uh, who is always attended uh, by alcohol cannot uh, relax without it, cannot be happy without it. You know, the Lord's given it to us for for many good things: relaxation and joy, and fellowship and celebration. And uh, recently, just you know, went through and looked at a, a bunch of these texts, uh, particularly as as relates to the Lord's Supper. It's a good creature of God. It's not even like the device that I was held, <laughs> held up, which uh, can be a good servant. It's a horrible master. Your telephone um, can be a good servant. Um, uh, but for, uh, uh, for our purposes, uh, not someone who uh, is more attended by wine, uh, uh, so to speak, than the, uh, than the spirit. Uh, not violent. 
the word for force here doesn't necessarily mean physical, uh, but the idea is that this is someone who uh, forces the way that he gets things done. Uh, and certainly uh, with, uh, with a man who often uh, is, um, uh, whether in his home or with other men, uh, may, uh, may have uh, strength of body or at least uh, uh, aggressiveness of body, uh, not even necessarily strength. A lot of bullies are not really uh, particularly strong. Um, uh, then, uh, then yes, it does absolutely apply to physical force, uh, but it uh, uh, it also uh, applies to you know what we would call uh, a bully uh, of any kind, someone who uh, who is always by the brute force of you know, if it's not his physicality, his uh, his personality, his insistence, um, children, uh, a temper tantrum is an act of violence. Uh, it is often an act of violence uh, precisely because you feel like you are not strong, uh, but it is something that you may, uh, if, uh, if not corrected and checked and helped by people who love you, uh, it is an attempt to force your will on the situation, to insist that everyone else's life and plans and purposes stop until you are satisfied. Uh, and uh, and the Lord uh, help you to be glad that he is God so that you don't try to be either your own God or anybody else's God. Uh, but the violent man, the one who uh, even by uh, clever uh, manipulation but uh, is always trying to force, impose his will uh, on the situation one way or another, um, uh, he... Uh, is uh, is not uh, qualified for the for the beneficial labor for the good work uh, of being an overseer, and he's not an example uh, to the rest of us uh, of what it looks like to uh, love God and serve God with wisdom, love others and serve others with wisdom, uh, but ultimately um, uh, to trust uh, God's providence, God's uh, enabling. Uh, God's uh, making things uh, fruitful. Um, the, the next word, uh, and it is one word, again, it's one of these compound words, not greedy for money. It actually takes uh, the word for shame uh, and puts together the, the word for gain. Uh, and, um, uh, and you may uh, have heard it uh, uh, not given to shameful gain or uh, not controlled by shameful gain, uh, but uh, the idea here is that as someone who, if they can advance themselves, they're not really ashamed of whatever it takes to do it. Whether that's advancing themselves financially uh, in terms of property or wealth, uh, but the word gain is actually, uh, although it is often used particularly in, in that mo uh, monetary sense, uh, but uh, the the word gain is used in other ways as well. It's, uh, you remember the happiest one of one of the happiest, uh, at least uses of that uh, that word. That if for you to live is Christ, then to die is gain. Um, and if you know that, uh, and if you know that He is giving Himself to you and is bringing you uh, 
inexorably, unstoppably, uh, uh, un, um, unthwartably, uh, if he's always bringing you from the point where he desired to redeem you and he accomplished your redemption and then our experience of that really begin uh, at the point when he gives us life and brings us to saving faith. And you know from that point on that he who started from eternity and accomplished it at the cross. And that's uh, that was there already when he brought you to saving faith. He's never going to stop doing everything necessary uh, to give you himself. So there's a, there's a view of what you consider to be gain, uh, Christ himself and all that he has for you, uh, and a view of how you get what gain is. Uh, and so, uh, children, this is something for you when you realize in a moment uh, that you are being selfish or want to steal or begrudging something to someone else, or maybe you think gain is when everyone pays attention to you and thinks really highly of you, you know, all of these things. As soon as you realize that, you can ask yourself, wait a minute, what is it that I want right now that I want more than Jesus? And how am I trying to get it? And, of course, um, adults aren't even very good at stopping and asking ourselves that. So God gave you some adults to help you, uh, namely a dad and a mom, to ask you those questions. Um, and you know, it's a wonderful thing that God does for us parents. Uh, often he makes us have to ask questions of our children that we should have been asking of ourselves, and he sanctifies us both. Uh, what is it that I'm wanting more than the Lord Jesus right now? And how am I trying to get it? Uh, am I shamelessly trying uh, to get other people to think well of me or to have more influence? Uh, or uh, or in, uh, as it uh, often is, uh, just wealth and property and pleasure, uh, all those things. So uh, a man who is not given... Uh, to uh, to shameless gain, uh, a man who's not willing to do whatever uh, is necessary in or order to ad advance himself. Um, this is the great difference, of course, between the children of God and the children of the devil. Uh, the children of God are glad that He's God and consider Him uh, to be the uh, the greatest blessing, the greatest benefit. Uh, the devil wants to be like God. Uh, and he is not ashamed uh, of whatever he can do to advance himself uh, and his own purposes. So, uh, so that is um, especially those uh, those three: not given to wine, not violent, uh, not greedy for money, or the not wine attended, uh, not a man of force, uh, uh, not a man of shameless gain. Um, uh, all the uh, the opposite of all those things is gentle. Gentle, a description of someone who restrains himself. Uh, it's often tied to humility by the word meekness. You know, a meek person, because he has a proper view of his low standing before God and he's not asserting himself uh, or herself. Um, we're, we're using the masculine uh, not just generically, but especially because it's only males you remember for the office of the overseer or uh, for the office of the deacon. Um, uh, but someone who has a, a proper view of himself 
uh, under God uh, is not always trying to uh, assert himself. Uh, and so gentleness uh, really very strongly tied uh, to humility. Uh, it's the same word that's used in Philippians 4.5 uh, with the knowledge that the Lord is near uh, and so all outcomes belong to him. So, you know, let your meekness, let your gentleness uh, be known to all. Uh, we know the Lord is near. We know the Lord will accomplish his purposes. Um, we know what he wants of us, but we also know that outcomes belong to him. Uh, so, you know, the old, um, uh, the old Scottish uh, saying, uh, duty is ours, events are God's. Uh, and then uh, I don't remember the, the Dutch one, although the Dutch drilled it into me for years, but mengeschicht or something is half of it, or mensgeschicht, but I think it loosely tra translates to man proposes, but God disposes. Uh, the, the idea that uh, the Lord has given you uh, how to serve him, how to serve others, uh, and you, you trust him. Um, the, the gentle man, uh, therefore, is not what we would call a pragmatist, uh, trying to force outcomes, uh, doing what he thinks uh, will get from people what we want. Because we know ultimately uh, it is uh, from God that it must come, uh, and God cannot be manipulated. He is to be served. Um, yeah, you can even uh, approach God from this manipulative, manipulative, pragmatic sort of way, can't you? Uh, you remember Israel in the beginning of Isaiah 58 when they weren't uh, delighting in the Lord. Uh, and you remember the end of Isaiah 58 and uh, the application of the Sabbath. Uh, but they viewed their religion uh, as a way to squeeze out of God what they wanted. Uh, and God said, that's just striking with a wicked fist. That's not going to get you what you want from me. Uh, yes, Dave. A quid, quid pro quo. Right. Yeah. So that very thing, I'm just reading that, you know, and they're all saying to Job, hey, you know, these things don't just happen. Yeah. Well, with the uh, actual quo that we have to offer God, we don't want his response in quid. <laughs> uh, this for that, uh, the that that we are offering, you have to have a wrong view of what you are doing. Yeah, that's one of the wonderful things between Job and his friends. Job had hope and mercy, um, and uh, uh, and he believed that it was God who was being merciful to him and helping him. And you can see that all the way at the beginning of the book when he's offering sacrifices uh, on behalf of his children because one of them might have sinned in their heart without knowing it. Um, uh, that's the that's the same man who attributes whatever godliness he has to the grace of God and 
you know, as his friends hammer him, like uh, like Dave was was saying, um, he uh, at a couple points becomes alarmed. Maybe God is dealing with me according to the way I am um, before his justice, before his holiness. And he just pleads with God not to do that because it would be better just to be wiped out uh, if grace isn't real. Um, uh, of course, grace isn't real was the... Uh, that, that was the, the main idea of the devil when God provoked him. And, you know, have you considered my servant Job? Uh, it doesn't, con- you know, Satan doesn't even consider that God might actually be transforming a sinner into someone godly. Uh, he says, oh, it's not real. You know, he's, just, he's just engaging in quid pro quo. You've given him this, and that's what he's... Anyway, uh, but yeah, so... The, this uh, this gentleness, this meekness, this uh, uh, this not trying to force the outcome um, the, that comes, uh, especially with the forced one and then the greed one, the gain one. He's also uh, not controlled by antagonism. Uh, this uh, this word not quarrelsome is uh, literally unpeaceable. Uh, you know, someone who just always has to oppose everything he hears. Uh, there's never anything good enough. Uh, you know, and just uh, always uh, contrarian, always playing devil's advocate. He might even uh, agree with you, but he enjoys the, uh, the uh, just taking up opposite positions. Never happy unless there's a debate. Uh, thinks it's his job in every situation to counterbalance what everyone else is saying. Um, there are times that an overseer will have to dispute, uh, but someone who's a constant disputer, uh, how are you going to know that this is one of those important times uh, that, that he was compelled by his office uh, to dispute for your sake, for the sake of the truth? Uh, for the for the honor of Christ, um, you know, you may have heard uh, uh, you may have heard the uh, the phrase "This is a hill I will die on." Uh, the word here is describing somebody who's never met a hill he wasn't happy to die on. Uh, just a uh, unpeaceable, uh, and then uh, not controlled by greed. Uh, this is the, he is not a silver lover, uh, literally. So this one is, uh, is even more specifically, of course, monetary. It's, I don't, it's translated covetous, I, I see here in the New King James. Um, but it's uh, uh, not a silver lover, not someone uh, who is a lover of uh, possessions. Uh, and this is important because he has to be a lover of God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and a lover of neighbor as himself. Uh, and there's not room for the love of silver there or the love of wealth uh, there. Um, you know, we all have moments in, in which uh, we, we have to be challenged uh, or challenge ourselves what's coming out of our hearts. Uh, am I treating property as more important than people? Uh, and the person who's treating property is more important than people. He doesn't have a clue about God because the value of people 
is they're made in the image of God. There's no property in creation that is made in the image of God. Um, and so we mustn't, uh, uh, we mustn't be people who, uh, those who treat property more than people. So an overseer will not be uh, any of those things uh, in verse 3. Uh, then uh, briefly what you see in verses 4 through 7 uh, is that God uh, gives us places uh, in which what is in us will come out of us. You know, it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. Uh, it is uh, uh, the heart that is either uh, the uh, wellspring of life when the Lord is working on it and, uh, and blessing us and helping us, um, but it's also uh, a place of, uh, of death in our original nature and much of that fleshliness, although we are not in our flesh, our flesh remains in us. Uh, and so it's helpful not just for thinking about overseers and deacons, but for each of us uh, to, to think about uh, how our conduct in the home, our conduct in the church, our conduct in the community, uh, what is it showing coming out of our hearts? And often it's especially in the home where we feel the least kind of external restraint uh, and more can come out of us. Um, and we're horrified and we, uh, you know, if we let it come out and uh, God uh, help us uh, that we would do well in all three places. Uh, so he must be uh, one who rules in his own house well. He oversees uh, his own house well. Uh, his children submit uh, with all reverence. Uh, now, this wasn't written to a culture like ours in which, um, you know, there were, uh, there were children who were allowed to get their way uh, all over the place. And uh, uh, the expectation was that all children submit. Uh, that was, you know, that's implied, for instance, in Hebrews chapter 12, when he talks about the discipline of fathers and children and uh, that dads don't let you get away with anything. Um, now, sadly, they do as seems best to them, which if you don't have a Christian dad, uh, is, uh, you know it's well-intended, but it's not always well-conceived. Um, uh, and God always for our good, right? Always uh, for the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Always uh, to produce holiness. Oh, what a wonderful father uh, we have. Uh, you know, because of the way our culture has declined, uh, we, are, we are in danger of emphasizing the insubmission in verse 4, which is, of course, necessary. Uh, yeah, a man whose uh, his children uh, continue in uh, untempered rebellion uh, in their home, uh, in his home, uh, he's not uh, qualified either. But the emphasis in verse 4 is with all reverence, uh, with, uh, with the same sort of uh, respect, uh, honoring, uh, that you hope to see God's children having towards him. Um, yeah, then it, uh, same, same uh, parallel passage or uh, more explicatory passage, Hebrews 12, um, he talks about reverencing our earthly fathers and you know, how much more than your heavenly father. Um, uh, and so the, uh, the children 
uh, of, uh, uh, of someone who's uh, qualified to be an overseer, uh, they are glad to honor him. Uh, they, they don't just obey because they have to. Uh, they, uh, they know their dad as, uh, as someone who is for their good and has, uh, uh, has conducted himself in the home uh, in a way that they are glad uh, to belong to him, to obey him, to submit to him. Um, there's that, uh, there's that, uh, you know, we don't use, we use the word fear primarily in our culture uh, to mean uh, servile terror, fear of what he might do to me, uh, not uh, fear of displeasing him because he's so worthy of honor. Uh, but that's the, that's the way the, the word fear here means. Um, you know, when the, when the children are skittish of the dad uh, or um, perpetually miserable, um, those, are, those are signs that uh, so, something is, um, uh, is amiss. Well, this, this man's children uh, are not like that. Um, Sorry, where were we? Uh, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? So you can see what is saying here about the type of man he's not supposed to be in verse 3. Well, if he is that type of man in the home, then the submission of the children isn't going to be with this, this honoring, you know, hating to displease him because of the, the gentle man that he is with his children. Uh, and if he's, uh, if his leadership in the home isn't like that, is that the sort of man that you want? Or that, in this case, we don't care what you want, we just care what Jesus wants. Is that the sort of man that Jesus wants in his church, teaching his children, training them uh, how to submit to the Lord or how um, uh, to submit to God? He's also a proven man in the church, not a neophyte. Most of you probably have an idea of, of what neo means. Do we have any Latin people here? Latin-ish? Help me with fight. Okay, plant-related. He's not newly planted, uh, quite literally. Um, he's, uh, uh, he's not a new believer. Uh, a new believer, uh, you know, even the best appearing new uh, convert is in danger of getting a big head about himself and, uh, and his spirituality. Uh, sometimes in the freshness of conversion, a new believer hasn't been matured in his theology. Uh, and uh, he doesn't have that steadiness that comes over time. Uh, of resting in and trusting the Lord with everything and having uh, a profound, persistent, uh, deep joy. Uh, and so often the new believer is really up and down, but often a lot more up than down. He just, he just met Jesus, praise God. And we love when the Lord converts new people and they come in and they've got uh, all of this uh, not, yet, uh, not yet tempered zeal. Um, and the, the new believers actually not helped much uh, when uh, totally 
joyless, lifeless people have been permitted to uh, profess faith without any growth in grace at all for, uh, you know, they just persist in their worldliness. Uh, and so the, the new believer is susceptible to pride because he may look around and he may see, you know, the, those steady, profoundly joyful Christians that are just not a lot of up and down uh, and, uh, and think that he's already ahead of them in grace. They must be those, uh, those dead joyless people because they are not uh, subject to as intense fluctuations as they are. Uh, and so it is actually unloving to take someone who has just been converted and say, you seem so excited about Jesus, you should be an elder. Because they will, they will actually shepherd among God's flock as someone who is puffed up with pride and doesn't recognize what it looks like when grace has been transforming for years instead of weeks. Um, and so don't do that to him. Not a novice, not a neophyte. Lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. The devil is glad to condemn in others that of which he himself is most guilty. Uh, and uh, you can imagine when uh, when a new believer has that uh, has that feeling of uh, of superiority over others, and then, of course, if he's a believer, what's the Holy Spirit going to do? He's going to convict him of his sin, and it could be devastating if your if your ups are really up and your downs are really down, and uh, and you suddenly realize that you're treating mature believers in the body of Christ the same way the devil does. And the devil's only too happy to, to accuse you of that, right? Don't you see how wicked you are? You proud, uh, arrogant fool that you thought you were spiritually so much better than these. Um, and so uh, he needs to be a proven man, not just in the home, but also in the church. And then uh, in the last place, verse 7, a proven man in the community. Uh, moreover, he must have a good testimony uh, among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare uh, of the devil. So the qualified man will have a good testimony uh, with those who are outside. Now that doesn't mean they like him for having a good testimony. God still gets to decide what good is, right? If you're in a culture that uh, hates good and loves evil, uh, they may say, he's a good man and I hate him for it. Uh, but they are able to see a consistency of character. Um, uh, you know, all of the, the verse uh, two things are, uh, are, should be present in him and how he uh, functions in the community. Steady believer in God, devoted to his wife, loves strangers, understands the faith well, those things from last week. The verse three things should pro be properly uh, absent, not controlled by his appetites, doesn't manipulate or compel people by, by bare authority or um, force. Doesn't take every advantage that he can get away with for himself. Isn't always um, countering everything everyone else says. Doesn't love uh, property uh, or possessions more than people. The people in the community may not like him for it, but they can attest that he is the sort of man that God has described here. Um, and this was true, of course, uh, of Job. Satan reproached him 
Uh, Satan tried to trap him, uh, but he came out at last uh, refined, even better than before. Uh, a man's character with outsiders, whether it's in business or with his neighbors or with the magistrates, etc., uh, needs to match verses 2 and 3, uh, or else those who reproach him, um, uh, as, uh, as the devil would love to bring reproach upon Christ and approach uh, upon the name of Christ, uh, they would have uh, a biblical case. We don't want anybody to have a biblical case against Christ on our account. Um, uh, and of course, the, uh, the one who's going to be an overseer uh, should be matching all of those things. Now, when we get to, oh, we're almost out of time. Just very briefly, when we get to uh, verse 8 next week and this likewise, uh, it's not starting entirely over. He imports a couple of the same words from the description above to remind us that the reason the elder has all of these things is because they belong to the same type of character that we're hoping God is going to use his ministry to produce um, uh, in the rest of the flock. Uh, and then for the oversight that the deacons um, uh, provide, then in, uh, in the managing of, uh, of earthly things, there are some things that are especially highlighted. Uh, and we'll come to that, Lord willing, next week. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, several times we have been reminded uh, just in these few verses of the great difference between uh, one who belongs to you and is being conformed to the image of Christ and one who is still in bondage to the devil and is being conformed to, um, uh, to his uh, evil character. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us not just uh, Christ to imitate, uh, but Christ and your spirit, Christ to be our life and our goodness, and your spirit who applies him to us. So we pray for the spirit to do that work uh, with what we have studied. We pray especially for our children who are uh, newly planted, as it were, uh, that you would make them to grow straight and strong in the image of the Lord Jesus, that the generation to come uh, might have uh, as it were, a, a head start by comparison uh, to ourselves, um, by whom they know you to be in Christ, and by your Spirit conforming them to his image. We thank you that you have filled your worship with the means by which you do this work. Help us now as we come to that worship. Meet us in the means that you have appointed, uh, and engage us, and, uh, and work on us by your grace, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.